Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. We're going to start in, because uh, we, we ended in the middle of an outline, so we're going to start in verse 9 and read through verse 26 uh, just to get caught back up with where we were. Genesis chapter 35 and verse 9. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Padanaram and blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob. But Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee. And kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abram and Isaac, to thee I will give it. And to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him even a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon, and Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him, Bethel. And verse 16, And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath, which we talked last time, a fruitful place. Uh, the, the city literally uh, defined or translated as ash heap. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. In verse 17, it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name uh, Benoni, which is not rhyme with baloney. I mispronounced it last week. You'll have to forgive me. Benoni. And his father called him Benjamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, in the way of uh, fruitfulness, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar upon her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. And then these next few verses are the new stuff that we didn't get to last week. Starting at verse 21, And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Edar. And it came to pass, when Israel dwelt in that land, that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah, which included Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, and Levi, and Judah, and Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, which included Joseph, and Benjamin. And the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's handmaid, Dan, and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's handmaid, Gad, and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob, which were born to him in Padanaram. Uh, in case you were wondering if the household of Jacob could get any more complicated, any more messy, uh, the boys reach an age in which they have an interest in females. It's interesting that after the idols were buried, after the idol hider holder herself was buried, Jacob is now referred to in our text as Israel. Just how serious does God take holy living? Just how serious is he when he says, come out from among these things, when he says, put these things away, when he says, be done with these things, uh, there's, a, there's a lesson for us here. Again, we talked last time about how perhaps the idol that Rachel had taken was, uh, was one of a, a false deity, of course, but maybe one toward fertility. Maybe she was so eager to have another child for Jacob that she 
took whatever help she could find, kind of like with the mandrakes, and that's what got buried, and eventually she got pregnant and died in the birth as well. There's a strange case here with Reuben and, and Bilhah, and we talked last time about the, the strengthening there at the, uh, just before the place of fruitfulness, just before uh, Ephrath, uh, the strengthening that the Lord was pouring into Jacob slash Israel, because sometimes that happens before sorrows. And this strengthening in particular, because we can read the entire thing uh, start to finish, uh, preceded two great sorrows. The first sorrow we've already discussed, and the second sorrow is Reuben and Bilhah. And though our text kind of moves quickly past it, uh, I'm going to sh show you here in a moment. Uh, it's enough here to see that Israel knew of it, that Israel heard it. She was likely much older than Reuben. This mother of his younger brothers, Dan and Naphtali, was without Rachel, whom she had served. There's a lot of speculation amongst commentators as to whether she wanted Israel's increased attention like the other ladies had shown uh, prior to. And since he would not reciprocate, um, that perhaps this is why she did this. We don't really have any evidence of that, but quite a few commentators seem to think that had something to do with it. Uh, I, I'm not qualified uh, as a woman or one who was there to, to really speak to that, but you should know some commentators believe that to be the case. Reuben was likely also in a situation now where as a man he had interest in seeking a wife, but a faithful servant had not been sent for him, as was his grandfather Isaac. Instead, the Canaanites were in fear of him and his people. The servants that they had taken captive were also off limits, leaving him lonely and without hope of prospects. But we see in our text, again, three little words uh, follow this horrible incident. Israel heard it. There's a, there's a phrase I, I like. I don't know that uh, it can be attributed to me as much as I'd like for it to be, but um, it basically speaks to the greater strength of not having to use it. The greater strength being one that has the muscle, that has the strength, that has the power, but is very careful in how it's exercised. And here we just see that Jacob knew about it. Jacob knew what happened. But we don't see anything here of him handling it. And we might have quickly assumed, if we didn't have any more chapters in Genesis, that much like uh, when Dinah was defiled, that perhaps Jacob was tied up in knots. He was fretting. He didn't know what to do about it. But if you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis 49, we'll see that uh, he definitely didn't forget it. And this quiet way in which he handled this situation was very different in how he handled Shechem, the Shechemites. Just the first four verses of Genesis 49, we read, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. It was not forgotten. It was not forgotten. It's important for us to understand that sometimes there's sin in our life that we think, we didn't pay for it immediately. We didn't repent of it immediately either, but we didn't pay for it immediately. Maybe God is overlooking this one thing. Remember, you're dealing with a God that never forgets anything. And that understands better than we do the motivations of the heart and will judge accordingly. I urge you to repent while there's time to repent. 
It's your only way of escaping God because he's not forgotten the things that have come between you and him. In our text, we then see the restating of the sons of Jacob. Uh, the reason for this on the part of Jacob or Moses as they're putting this together in the book of beginnings uh, was likely because the family was all headed to present themselves before Isaac at that time. We have evidence that Jacob at some point made that journey, but here the entire family is coming before him. And another reason for this is the fact that the next chapter will turn to show us Esau's lineage. We have just one short chapter, which we'll read at the conclusion of this uh, lesson, uh, Genesis 36, that shows us Esau's lineage. And it's very, very similar to how we got Ishmael's lineage, as we'll discuss in just a moment. Now, the next three verses, Genesis 35, verses 27, 28, and 29, read as follows. And Jacob came unto Isaac his father, unto Mamre, unto the city of Arba, which is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. And the days of Isaac were an hundred and fourscore years. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died, and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau, his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Now, a couple of things. First, let's deal with his age. As we stated in a much earlier lesson, Isaac had a long life. He lived 180 years. Even though he thought back in Genesis 27, he was near the end. In Genesis 27, verses 1 through 2, we read, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Clearly. Clearly. This text was from probably around 1767 B.C., and Isaac was 129 years old. His boys, his twins, Esau and Jacob, were 69. The death of Isaac actually took place over 50 years later in 1716. We must also note here that the writer is bringing forward a, a moment in time. He's bringing it forward kind of out of chronological order because, again, the book of Genesis is split up by the writers, and we're nearing the end of Jacob's account. So with the next chapter dedicated solely to Esau's lineage and uh, kind of giving us a, a little bit of a time-traveling experience as we go back and see everything that Esau has done up until now, that's where Jacob's book ends or Jacob's part of this account ends as Moses was putting these things together. So linearly, uh, I think Clark's planning on picking up this study, Linearly, when the next teacher comes along, he's going to illustrate at some point that Isaac's still alive. And I'm going to give you some reasons to, to understand that, but I just want you to understand as this thing is closing, Isaac didn't die at the time in which the sons went to present themselves before him. He dies a little bit later. Actually, Joseph is quite a bit older by that time, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, again, uh, we don't count this as one of the two sorrows that Jacob was being built up for because this didn't happen a few minutes after that encouragement at Bethel. This happened quite a bit later. The Lord could have caused for him to remember that earlier strengthening during the loss of his father, but uh, quite a bit of time passes. And, and uh, it says here, if we, if we were to sequence this portion of text chronologically, it would actually occur after the events of Genesis 40. So we're in Genesis 35 now. But when the next writer comes along, which are the sons of Jacob, uh, you got five more chapters or four more chapters of content before we actually get to the point. And Joseph's about 27 years old uh, when, when Isaac dies. 
Uh, this does not introduce a reason to distrust the text of the Bible, for we noted uh, reasons for this t first two chapters of this book to do the, something very similar. We saw all of creation in chapter 1, and then chapter 2 seemingly jumps a little bit all over the place, but it's giving us a different focus. And there were two different accounts brought together for that uh, that you can go back to the beginning of this study and see. For the reader, this is seeing the conclusion of Isaac's part of the story. Jacob is giving us his account of the end of his father. We should also note that the final verse says that Isaac's sons buried him. It says nothing of their children being there to do so, which the previous verse would make it sound like all of Jacob's kids were there, and then Isaac died. This would make sense because when Isaac actually died, as I said, uh, Joseph was older, and Joseph was actually in prison interpreting dreams. Uh, a little spoiler, Clark. Sorry, I jumped ahead and gave everybody a little something early. Isaac was buried in the same sepulcher with Rebekah and with Abraham and Sarah in the cave uh, uh, in the field which Abraham had purchased in Mamre. Um, we see that in Genesis chapter 49, verses 29 through 31. And it says there, And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, in the cave that is the field in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field, uh, with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. So certainly it gives you a clue who is doing the talking there. All right. So Genesis 36 is what we have next before us. And I am going to read the whole thing. Um, it is a genealogy type uh, chapter. So I guess this is a good opportunity for you to get a few more laughs in as I mispronounce a couple of things as we go, no doubt. But again, uh, just a, a little point of setup. If you recall, when Isaac gave us the account of Ishmael, it was at the point of Abraham's death. And, and this is a pattern that we see here. So we read that Abraham dies. In the very next chapter, we see an account of Ishmael. It's brief, but an account of Ishmael. And that's because, as it's being written there by Isaac, Isaac got the account of Ishmael at that point. They were brought together, and it's believed that he gave him the account of where they'd been, the lineage itself, and then it was placed there in the book. It's very likely the same thing happens here uh, at the point of uh, few more years from now when Isaac actually dies, Jacob gets the account from his brother Esau of what he's been doing, and that's placed here uh, in sequence with what we have now. Genesis chapter 36, now there, these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. Esau took his wife of the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, not Musk, and a holy Bama, see we're in verse 2, and this is, this is what you're going to get tonight. A holy Bama, the daughter of Ana, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite, and Bashamath, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nebuchadnezzar, and Ada bare to Esau, Eliphaz, and Bashamath bare Rule, and a holy Bama bare Jeush, and Jalem, and Korah. These are the sons of Esau, which were born unto him in the land of Canaan. And Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of the house, of his house rather, and his cattle and all his beasts and all his substance, which he had got in the land of Canaan, and went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. 
Verse 7, for their riches were more than they might dwell together. And the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle. Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. Verse 9, and these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. These are the names of Esau's sons. Eliphaz, the son of Adah, the wife of Esau. Rule, the son of Bashamath, the wife of Esau. And the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, uh, and Gatum, and Kenaz. And Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. These were the sons of Adah, Esau's, Esau's wife. And these are the sons of Rule, Nahath, and Zerah, Shema, and Mizah. These were the sons of Bashamath, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of Aholibamah, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zibion, Esau's wife. And she bare to Esau Jeush, and Jalem, and Korah. These were dukes of the sons of Esau, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn son of Esau, Duke Teman, Duke Omar, Duke Sepho, Duke Kenaz, Duke Korah, Duke Gatum, and Duke Amalek. These are the dukes that came of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Ada. And these are the sons of Rule, Esau's son, Duke Nahath, Duke Zerah, Duke Shema, Duke Miza. These are the dukes that came of rule in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Bashamath, Esau's wife. Verse 18, And these are the sons of Aholibama, Esau's wife, Duke Jeush, Duke Jalem, Duke Korah. These were the dukes that came of Aholibama, the daughter of Anah, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Esau, who is Edom, and these are their dukes. These are the sons of Seir, the Horite, who inhabited the land, Lotan and Shobel and Zibion and Anah and Dishan, and Ezer, and Dishan, these are the dukes, uh, Dishan, they have to be pronounced differently than a sibling, these are the dukes of the Horites, the children of Seir, in the land of Edom. And the children of Lotan were Horai, and Hemam, and Lotan's sister was Timnah. And the children of Shobel were these, Alvin, and Menahath, and Ebal, and Shepho, and Onam. And these are the children of Zibion, both Asia and Anah. This was, the, this was that Anah that found the mules in the wilderness as he fed the asses of Zibion, his father. And the children of Anah were these, Dishon and Ahalibama, and the daughter of Anah. And these are the children of Dishon, Himdan and Eshban and Ithran and Cheran, the children of Ezer, are these Bilhand and Zavan and Achan? It's right about now the preacher starts to regret wanting to read this chapter. The children of Dishan are these, verse 28, Uz and Aaron. These are the dukes that came of the Horites Duke Lotan, Duke Shobel, Duke Zibion, Duke Ana, Duke Dishan, Duke Ezer, Duke Dishan. These are the dukes that came of Horai among their dukes in the land of Seir. In verse 31, And these are the kings that reigned in the land of Edom before there reigned any king over the children of Israel. And Belah, the son of Beor, reigned in Edom, and the name of his city was Dinhaba. And Belah died, and Jobab, the son of Zerah, of Bozrah, reigned in his stead. And Jobab died, and Husham, of the land of Temani, reigned in his stead. And Husham died, and Hadad, the son of Bedad, who smote Midian in the field of Moab, reigned in his stead. 
and the name of his city was Avith. And Hadad died, and uh, Samlah of Masrika reigned in his debt. And Samlah died, and Saul of Rehoboth by the river reigned in his debt. And Saul died, and Behanan the son of Akbor reigned in his debt. And Baal Hanan the son of Akbor died. And Hadar reigned in his stead, and the name of this of his city was P-A-U. Now, I don't even know how to pronounce that. And his wife's name was Mahatabel, the daughter of Matred, the daughter of Mezahab. And these are the names of the dukes that came of Esau, according to their families, after their places, by their names, Duke Timnah, Duke Alva, Duke Jehuth, Jetheth, Duke Aholibama, Duke Elah, Duke Pinon, Duke Kenaz, Duke Temam, Duke Mibzar, Duke Magdiel, Duke Iram. These be the dukes of Edom according to the, inhabit, uh, the habitations in the land of their possession. He is Esau, the father of the Edomites. You see why they don't let Esau write too many more chapters after chapter 36. Now, confession time is my wife is just losing it right now. The last time I had to read this out loud, we were dating. I lived in South Carolina, she lived in Ohio, and we read the Bible out loud over the phone with one another, uh, and this was the chapter. I didn't tell her that before I got here tonight. Uh, we made it as far as verse 33, I believe, that night before we started cracking up when I pronounced it Joe Bob, and she, she just assumed that was somebody in South Carolina that I may have met that day, Joe Bob. There's, so that's one lesson you can get out of chapter 36. The second lesson is men, don't ever be afraid to read in this pulpit uh, because you'll get a chapter like this one one day. Um, third lesson, Justin Meyer had a chapter like this at Homestead, and he literally read verse 1, and then he skipped three verses and read verse 5 and destroyed the names in verse 5 after skipping three verses. Uh, I love my brother, but... Uh, just read through it, okay? the, especially as you continue the study through Genesis. I know Steve already knows this. A lot of those names are pretty important, uh, and you're going to want to come back to Genesis 36 to find, um, just as reference, the lineage there. There's a lot of familiar names you've already heard, such as Korah, um, uh, Amalek, and verse 12. There's a lot of things that are coming out of this chapter uh, that you need chapter 36 for, and we really shouldn't skip these genealogical studies anyway. And fifth lesson, if you're dating someone, read the Bible out loud because it's good to laugh together every once in a while. So as we can see right out of the gate, we have the phrase, these are the generations of. We haven't seen this in a while because Jacob was wordy. He wrote a lot of chapters. So it's been a while since we got to the end of a section in Genesis. This is signifying the final portion that was likely first recorded by Jacob, then editorialized by Moses when this compendium was completed punish myself with a big sentence of my own after reading that chapter. Uh, so this, you see that at the beginning of Genesis 36, signifying that this is the end of Jacob's portion here. And it's also confirmed in verse 2 of Genesis 37. We'll go ahead and read the first two verses there. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan, as we read in Genesis 36. Esau did not. And at the beginning of verse 2, these are the generations of Jacob. And this concludes the Jacob portion of this book, and I'll leave you all with uh, Genesis 37 to begin the next section. What we have in this chapter, in Genesis 36, um, 
Like I said before, Jacob wouldn't have been witness to many of this. A lot of this uh, either would have already been written down and handed to him by Esau or maybe came up in discussion with Esau. And Jacob is sliding it in here to confirm the lineage of Esau in this book of beginnings. Possibly the most significant thing to note, at least for what we have studied thus far, is what we see in verses 6 through 8. And Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house and his cattle and all his beasts and all his substance, which he uh, had got in the land of Canaan, and went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. For their riches were more than than that they might dwell together, and the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle. Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. That's stated in Genesis 36.1 and stated again there in verse 8 and a couple more times before you get to the end of the chapter. So don't forget the Edomites are descendants of Esau. This is significant for us as the purpose of this study from the beginning has been to follow the promised seed, right? From Adam and Eve, from the garden, we've been following the promised seed and we've been blessed by learning an awful lot about what God has to say for family, what he has to say for leadership in the home and what he has to say about holy living. But we already know it's been established. The promised seed is not coming from Esau. That took place at Isaac's bed during uh, what was a deceitful moment, but a blessing that God had already said was going to be Jacob's to begin with. Esau voluntarily moves here. That's pretty significant. God promised this. Esau moves out of Canaan and left the land of Jacob. They separated in peace, we see in verses 6, 7, and 8. His move was in harmony with God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we see that in verses, uh, verse 1 of Genesis 37. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. So going forward, as I mentioned, from Genesis 37, verse 2, all the way to Exodus 1, 1, the remainder of this book and right into the beginning of the next, we will see the author to be the generations of the sons of Jacob. Uh, and a quite valuable study at that. So uh, that concludes what I have for you. I pray the Lord will continue to bless this study. pray the men will continue to teach this study. Uh, What a wonderful time that we've had in it together. Let's close with a word of prayer.